hello, hello. It's Kindred Skulls. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. I am joined this evening. My name is Greg Blake, and I'm joined this evening with my lovely and talented co-host. Uh, you know what? I'm going to switch up the order tonight, guys. I'm going to mix it up. Nick Olson, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, man. Heading into the bye week, you know, a couple wins in a row. Feeling good. Absolutely. Also joined, uh, as always, by Matt Freese. Hi, Matt. How's it going, Greg? Uh, honestly, like, Nick, feeling pretty good. Like, after watching the tape again, I feel a lot better about the Panthers game than I did about the Lions game, I have to say. Like, we'll get into that, but it it really is a, a significantly different feeling for me. I agree. I agree. It definitely wasn't um, as upsetting. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't as upsetting as the Lions game, but I think mainly because of the opponent, you know, that we were facing, I think – we have a little bit more respect for so <laughs> and, and you know probably it happening like two weeks in a row you know you get a little bit less a uh, little bit of exhaustion there <laughs> yeah <laughs> by the end of it we're just numb we're used to this this is this is who we are this year apparently um all right we're already doing it a little bit let's let's get right into reactions to week six so uh we won we won the game it was a huge one we, we built it up here on this pod and Really uh, could not be understated how big it was for us. And uh, we went in there and we took a win. And uh, it was an up and down game. It had a lot of emotions. Once again, my weekly notes were uh, full of negative things that I had to do. I was like, wow, man, did we win this one again? Um, But we did. We won it. And there was a a number of reasons we won the game, I think. We're going to talk about it all. I think first off the top, it has to be addressed. We have to finally give him his due right at the top of the show. Let's talk about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was dealing the ball on Sunday, boys. How did you feel uh, about Kirk's performance? Yeah, I I thought Kirk was great. Um, We'll talk about a little bit later about the offense, but um, really just sharp the whole game on time in rhythm. Uh, there was a lot of quick game going on. And I think the Viking, that was part of the Vikings game plan, particularly with Christian Darasaw in there, but um, he, he really was just hitting the receivers as they come. I think you can levy a couple of like small criticisms on him, right? Like there were a couple of times he threw short of six on third down, but at the same time, like those plays are slants and it's like a five yard third down and you want your receiver to win for five yards on slants and you need, you really need them to win against man coverage because in the concepts, like you're not going to get it any other way in that case. So I, I wasn't concerned about that. There were like, two missed throws there was backwards pass but other than that like sharp on time he led that touchdown drive he led two game winning drives he really did right he led the game winning drive for the missed field goal that was awesome escaped a sack had a nice run um so really just a a clutch performance from kirk once again which is like the third time we can say that about him this year really the fourth time if you count the Bengals game that's just crazy he's been great so far this year he's been great he has a great start to the year Great start to the year. Nick, did you feel the same? I'm, I'm seeing a lot of head nodding, so I'm assuming that's a guess. Yeah, no, no, totally. I thought um, this this was – there were more high-level plays in this game than for Kirk that I'm used to, and there were also a couple more, like, what are you doing, Kirk plays? Like, the backwards throw comes to mind, although he was hit when he threw that one. Uh, there's a play where he threw the ball into – he, like, double-clutched, and he wound up throwing the ball into Ezra Cleveland's back and <laughs> yeah. then realized it was a fumble and dove on it. So it was like – 
what what are you doing? But and then there was the deep miss to Jefferson, which was a walk-in touchdown. So those ones stick out in your mind a little bit, but at the same time, that that the game winner was like that was one of the best throws he's thrown in a long time. Like it was picture perfect. And he oh, had man, to that throw a lot awesome. of anticipation. Um, and he was you could see like Thielen, I think, streaking underneath on a crosser, and he's like, frick this, let's go home. So and there were a lot of throws like that the whole game. So uh yeah, yeah, yeah good game. I mean. Uh, up and down game, but overall more up than down. So really good stuff. More up than down. And I think that's kind of been the theme for him this year. And maybe next week when we do our yearly, our biweekly awards, teasing that a little bit, uh, biweekly awards show, you know, where that might come up, uh, just how how much more up there has been than down for Kirk this year. And you know me, I'm I'm quick to pounce when it when it's an unsatisfactory performance. And I haven't been able to do that. All year long. And I think that's a, a huge testament to him and uh, the way he's playing. We also had a really great game from uh, Dalvin. Dalvin had, he was running the ball over the place. The rushing average wasn't super high, but he had some really strong runs, some clutch runs. Um, he was just, he was really keeping us ticking uh, the way that he does. Um, did you guys notice anything special from Dalvin's performance this week? Nick, before, before we went on, you had mentioned, you know, he hasn't had the big gainer yet this year. And I think that's really interesting that I still feel like he's making such a huge impact for us. But in years past, a lot of that has revolved around the big play. And, you know, like Dalvin making a big play to keep us in a game or, or whatever – this year, it seems like he's taking a little bit more of a workman approach, and I don't know if that's health or, or whatnot, but how did you guys feel watching him this week? Yeah, I feel like, so philosophically, I think the wide zone scheme trades a little bit of, of, of risk, risk of being tackled at or near or behind the line of scrimmage because you spend so much more time horizontal than you do in, in a downhill running scheme, gap scheme, where you're, you're running straight at the line of scrimmage. Um, so you trade a little bit of risk of, of a tackle for a loss or a zero gainer or something for well, the, the explosiveness we, of like can, a, of a 50 yard or something. Can so. we do a little teaching moment for our listeners a little bit? Talk about wide zone schemes, because this is something that is very popular in the NFL right now. And it's one of those things that I think you hear a lot and you can kind of recognize it when you see it on the field. And it's been around up, you know, it's had, it's come and gone. It's been passe. It's been whatever. Um, but essentially, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially what it is, is the runner has multiple options that can develop side to side in a run, uh, depending on how the defense attacks the blockers, essentially. And the yeah, blockers right. set blocks based on how the defenders attack them. And then it's the rusher's job to find the hole that opens up. Yeah, I, it's kind of. There's a lot of complexities that go into it, but the simplest difference is I, I think downhill gap scheme runs attack. Uh, the offensive line shoots off the ball and drive blocks downfield. They try to basically push their man downfield and create gaps. Um, you'll, also, you'll also have a lot of pullers, you know, like in power blocks where a guard will pull and, and you'll or you'll have a fullback and a lead block. Uh, and you'll try and like double team up to the second level and you'll try and shoot through that gap. If you think of Adrian Peterson. It was a lot of that kind of downhill yeah. running. Yeah. Um, Dalvin Cook is you know, more of the horizontal 
Um, you know, it's, it's, we're not trying to, to push guys downfield. We're trying to seal them off. We're trying to create a wall. And then as we seal off each individual backer, the, the running back has a chance to, to scan and see as soon as he sees color, he can cut up field and go. And it's kind of a one cut and go uh, system. So thank you for said, indulging me. I, I just thought that was a cool opportunity to yeah. dig into that a little bit. And it's a lot more complex, but I think the easiest way to look at it is just what's the first step an offensive lineman takes off the snap. If it's down, if it's downhill, they're trying to move a guy forward. It's probably a gap scheme, you know, like the Ravens or um, or the the, the Buccaneers um, right now. Or uh, and if it's if they're like taking a bucket step, like they're they're turning horizontally and running and trying to get out in space, and it's a stretch run, that's more of the wide zone. And by the way, every team does does everything, but Different mm-hmm. teams specialize in different things. And the Vikings right now, wide zone team, Gary Kubiak, um, you know, so the yeah, with, with Dalvin, we see usually we're trading a little bit of sometimes he'll get tackled for a one yard gainer. But the upside is, um, you know, when you get Garrett Bradbury reaching up to a center and you, you get you, you can have some really explosive plays downfield and just has to make the safety miss for it to be a 50 yard or a plus. Um, but his longest gain this year has only been, I think, 23 yards. And that was this week. Before that, it was 17. He didn't even have a 20-yard gain six weeks into the – five weeks into the season. Part of that is injuries and also, like, not just missing games, but also not playing at 100%. But, right. Um, right. yeah, I, I think um, offensively, we're giving a lot of love to the offense, and I think we should because despite the fact that, like, um, there were some drives that stalled or drives that didn't come up with points, there were 16 drives in this game. Nine of them, they got into scoring position. Um, two of them, you know, miss field goals, but like nine, nine drives where you get into scoring position or, um, you know, at least put yourself in a position to put points on the board. That's pretty good. And it's especially good when we're talking about this was a defense that was like second in DVOA coming into the Yeah, game. we, we like, talked them up so hard. <laughs> and and we saw that, I thought. I thought yeah, we saw some really good pass rushes from Brian Burns and Son Reddick. I thought we saw, I mean, they're such good, they're such speedy rushers. Um, and we saw some really good play from their cornerbacks, even though they're, even though they're, they're you know, Stefan Gilmore isn't starting for them yet or whatever. Um, like I, I didn't even remember the names, but like that, there was a couple of plays where they were just had like teach tape coverage on Jefferson on Osborne. Um, it was nice to see Thielen break out, but like, yeah, this was a tough defense to run on. This is a tough defense to pass on. So I was really impressed with what they were able to do on the ground. And, and yeah, to- totally agreed. Matt, um, let's, let's talk about the other side of the ball a little bit. Um, you know, it was a, it was a, a performance that I'll be honest with you. I, I remembered it as a strong defensive performance. That's how I thought of it. And then I went back and I looked at the score. I remembered certain yeah. details from the game. I was like, you know, it wasn't, you know, Sam, yeah. Sam Darnold was kind of fucking up a lot. <laughs> so, so to be honest with you, I think it was a pretty dominant defensive performance. Okay. Um, so I, I think post game immediately post game you have the feeling that they kind of let us down a little bit and that happened at the end of the game right i i would say the defense did let us down at the end of the game allowing that long touchdown but the situation that they were in i don't think was their fault at all um if you look at the panthers first 11 drives they average they ran 51 plays and they averaged like three yards per play or something like that that's and that includes the touchdown that they had on the short field right so they had to go 18 yards for that first touchdown on the short field after the, the jefferson fumble it's really difficult to put that fully on the defense right maybe you say that's four extra points there and they let it up pretty quick but like i, I that's just a difficult spot for any defense to be in um and then you have so outside of that the Panthers drove for the one field goal. Then you have the um, field goal they scored towards the end of the game 
which was three points after our own missed field goal, right? So that's another sudden change kind of situation where you're hoping to get points and you leave them with a shorter field than you normally would. And then you finally have the final drive, which took two fourth down conversions for them to get. And then the other points obviously came from the block punt, which isn't on the defense at all. Um, so I think really, if you look at it, the defense had a great performance up until that final drive and at the point where they need to make two miracle plays on fourth down to continue the game. I, I think that's still a pretty strong defensive performance. And I think it was a really strong defensive performance. Honestly, I think multiple players had flash plays like everybody was kind of all over the place. Kendricks had a few flash plays. Barr had a few really nice plays where he shot forward like he was out of a cannon. Like he still has explosiveness. I'm not sure where he's at in terms of lateral movement. But like he is still explosive as a player. Uh, really Dalvin, seeing him out there. Dalvin Tomlinson was freaking dominant on the interior. James Lynch and Armand Watts played great. Daniil Hunter has just some some of the most incredibly athletic plays you'll see. He's teasing tape talk, ladies and gentlemen. Um, We're going to get into tape talk. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it was really a great performance. Patrick Peterson played great. Uh, Bashar Breeland. Played, played great like you can't complain about anybody and the safeties i mean i i it's kind of weird harrison smith hasn't been did Rashad go out, out on twitter and tell tell the fan base to eat uh, a dick or whatever well, he didn't need to this time <laughs> he didn't need to this time because he played great um, i kind of like that i'll be honest with you when he was the, it was a couple of games ago they were booing him because he made a bad play and he was yeah. like Telling him to keep yeah. going. I thought I mean, that was kind of dope. Embrace like, the right, heel. You know, embrace the heel. You hear it. So <laughs> I would say I would say the worst player on defense for us was Cam Dantzler, and that's just because of that uh, a DJ Moore fourth down conversion that mm-hmm. happened. Like, and you know, he was limited, and he was shoved into a difficult situation there, trying to get into the rhythm of the game on the last drive. Yeah. So it's going to be the story of his year. It looks like. Yeah. Um. So we had some special teams snafus. Um, you know, not not a great performance there from the special teams. Um, I think, Nick, you you had something you wanted to say about the performance overall. Yeah, because it's kind of funny. We're, we're gassing up the offense and the defense right now, so you would think it was a blowout. And if, you know, if you look at a lot of, like, the team statistics, like, Darnold was held to, like, 4.1 net yard or a net yards per attempt. Like, he, he threw it 41 oh, times. One, one quick thing on that, too. The Panthers had a bunch of drops in this game, but, yes. like – I wanted to touch 75% of the drops didn't matter. Like they were short plays where we had guys on those players and it's a gain of four or five. Yeah. And it really doesn't affect their stats all Rob, the time. Robbie Anderson did have one or yeah. two that probably were, could have been game changer type. There players. were one or two that were pretty big plays and, and they were actually Robbie Anderson. I think one was a deep ball, yeah. honestly, that might have sure. against Patrick Peterson or somebody. But really, when he like, got hurt on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which he had good coverage on that play, too. So it's not like it was a good ball placement, and it could have been a it could have been a catch, I think. But like yeah. he had good coverage on that play, and was, like the drops, I don't think ultimately impacted this too much. But sorry, Nick, I cut in a bit, a little bit long there. Go ahead on the special. Yeah, no, I mean it's, it's like it's an interesting question. Like if they were looked so good on tape, why was it? Why did it go to overtime? And I think the two answers are one, to a lesser extent, it was penalties. They were penalized like eleven times for a hundred yards. Um, and the second, which, you know, extended drives. And on that last drive where the Vikings defense should have shut them down, there was two fourth down, fourth and long conversions. So, like, if you're holding a team, you're, you're just stopping them on third down twice, but the drive keeps going because they're in desperation mode. I mean, that sucks, but it happens at the end of game situations. Um, 
I would say though, like special teams was the biggest deal because like Greg Joseph had multiple chances to put this game away and granted it was outdoors. There was wind and the two kicks he missed were not easy ones. I think one was like 49 yards and one was like 53 or something. Um, so not like automatic ones at all, but at the same time, like if you have two opportunities to miss those, you would hope your kicker would make at least one. If he makes at least one of those granted, he was, I think three or five total on the day. I think three of them were really easy though. Um, kind of a below average day for your kicker. That sucks. That's part of the reason it goes to overtime. And then obviously the other big glaring mistake was the block punt return for a touchdown. Like it's very hard to win games when you have a punt blocked and returned for a touchdown. That's just, you know, it's like winning a game when you throw a pick six, it's just like catastrophically bad. Um, and it was, it was, it was a bad mess up. I think whoever, um, well, it was like a backup running back. I, I forget, it was 54 maybe, like forgot to block the guy coming up the middle, block the wrong guy. Um, so I'm sure he got uh, an earful after the game. But yeah, that was that was pretty bad. Uh, there were some other um, like errors. Uh, D.D. Westbrook has been kind of up and down as a returner, um, bobbled a punt, didn't fumble it, but like, I don't know, he's, yeah. made, some, he's made some strange choices. So um, yeah, special teams in this, I, th- I think in DVOA, like the Vikings were above average in special teams DVOA, and now they're back to being like second worst. So Yeah, two weeks ago, two <laughs> weeks ago they were above average, and right. now two they're weeks. 30th or whatever. <laughs> Not the way you want to be trending. Um, um, that I mean that that does a lot of damage and it is part of the reason why um we had what I but I'm okay with that because like going forward I think the these the you you don't expect to give up a punt block for, return for a touchdown every sure. week but That's what Kirk Cousins is doing plan. what Patrick Pete well not Patrick Peterson <laughs> sadly but what but like Bashad Breeland bouncing back like Armin Watts breaking out uh, what we're seeing from a lot of these defensive players Anthony Barr being healthy again uh, I think all KG Osborne's breakout I think all that stuff can be sustainable and lead to future success in a way that like blocked punts will probably not or like 100 yards of penalty yards will probably not continue to manifest down the road right um okay so like you said Nick to borrow your word we gassed up the offense we gassed up the defense a little bit Realistically, though, there was, there was a close game, and um, one thing that I noticed, and I'm sure you did too, both of you, um, the Panthers were struggling, and in particularly, in particularly, in particular, they were struggling on offense, and in particular, Sam Darnold to me appeared to be having a really rough day, and we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, are, which Darnold are we going to get? We got the, the cold streak Darnold, and you know how much did that contribute? Do you think to? I mean, realistically, they had what six or seven straight drives where they did very little, and there's not a lot of football teams that we're going to play this year that are going to have that terrible stretch. You know, there's going to be some teams, especially coming up, and we'll talk about that later. But there's going to be some teams this year that. They're not going to give us that kind of luxury. What did you guys notice from the Panthers this week? Yeah, so I, I thought Sam Darnold was poor. Like, I didn't think he was good. Um, and there were times where he was under pressure, especially, and he was just sailing throws left and right. Like, he was missing things. But at the same time, the Vikings defense was forcing those results. I think our defensive line did a really good job of getting pressure on him. I think we were beating the Panthers' offensive line pretty regularly. Um, and I think our coverage was generally pretty good and sticky. Like I, and I think that bared out when I watched the tape. So it's a little column A, little column B, right? Because Mm -hmm. Sam Darnold did not play well. He did not execute what he needed to do, 
But at the same time, the Vikings kind of forced him into that. Now, that's kind of the player we know Sam Darnold to be, right? Remember the famous line last year you're seeing ghosts in the Patriots game because they blitzed the hell out of him. And he couldn't, he couldn't, he didn't have answers to that. NFL did so, Sam dirty, man. <laughs> better quarterbacks will probably have answers to that. And, you know, they're going to score more points offensively, right? And that's where we need the offense to step up. I don't think you can expect, you know, to hold your opponent to very little offense production in every game. Like that's just not realistic. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, okay. Now it's time to talk about the offensive line. All right. It's, this is becoming a permanent segment. It might as well be, you know, we got to check in with the line. Um, was this our best performance of the year? I would still say Seattle probably still sticks out yeah. in my mind, okay. but um I mean, there was a lot of encouraging stuff. There was there were some pretty there were some bad mistakes. Like anytime you're anytime you're dealing with speed rushers, I think the wins will be impressive, but the losses will also be like um, they can be disastrous. Like um, we, Darisaw overall, I thought had a really impressive performance, um, but his worst rep of the night uh, or of the day came uh, on that fourth quarter. What should have been the game winning drive um, in the fourth quarter until uh, Joseph missed the, the game winner. Um, and Burns just like dusted Darasaw uh, with a ghost technique, which is where you like you fake a long arm and then you duck under them. And it's basically like like Von Miller's very good at it. You just like sort of like blink past the guy. You like you you kind of dip around them and like you're at the quarterback in under two seconds. It's, it's and like the crazy. offensive lineman literally does not get a hand on it. Like yeah, no, it's insane. And when it's done well, it's like <laughs> it's so impressive. And anyway, Burns Burns is like a freak athlete, you know, like a just just a you know a freak. And so he's able to basically just duck under and rip past or or, or you know um, bend past Darisaw, and he gets to he gets to Cousins, and that should have been uh, a strip sack, and likely could have resulted in the Vikings losing because then the Panthers would have been in field goal territory with less than a minute left. So um, if if that if Kirk Cousins doesn't fumble the ball, amazingly sack, you know, like Burns goes for the strip sack and Kirk like senses it from his yeah. blind side and <laughs> holds on and then runs downfield and then Brian Burns realizes it and chases after him and then Kirk breaks the tackle and gets like 12 yards. Like, yeah. Who is, who is this guy? What he done with Brian, Kirk Cousins? Brian Burns so, tackle this week. That's crazy. Exactly, exactly what you would expect. So, um, but like, that's what I think. Like there was another occasion where I think it was Hassan Reddick uh, going up against Brian O'Neill, who's our best lineman and he just like destroyed him on a spin move like immediate pressure got right in Kirk Cousins face it was like a three-step drop or something and there was still immediate pressure mm-hmm. um but so like there were the when the mistakes were bad they were glaring Bradbury had, a, had a also like yeah. two really ugly pass pass losses um and then Udo had a million holds as as he's kind of becoming accustomed to just because like when you put a dude that big with like arms this you know gigantically wide it's really hard to like punch and and like keep your arms. So he has this bad tendency to grab on the guy's shoulders just because he's like, he's huge. And mm-hmm. so I think that's something that's going to keep happening, but um, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he can be okay, but that's going to be something that I think he's always. Let's ping it to Matt for a second. Did, did, did you, how, what was your feeling about the offense? Yeah, I, I generally uh, think the same thing as Nick. Uh, I would definitely say that the Seattle game was better than this. I think Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offensive architecture, I kind of alluded to that earlier, did a, did a very good job of helping um, Brandon Thorne on Twitter, Brandon Thorne NFL has a film room that he puts out. He's the best offensive line guy online. Like I, I trust his stuff entirely. He did something on all of the rookie tackles. 
Um, and talking about Darasol, one of the things he kept harping on in the video is the drop depths for Kirk Cousins, because that's really important for offensive linemen and the offensive architecture in general, because if your drop depth is short enough, well, you don't really have to do much to protect the edge. If you're dropping to 10 yards, it's a lot harder to protect than if you're dropping to eight yards. And that the Vikings were dropping very short the entire game, and there were opportunities for the Panthers edge rushers, which, and this is a great game plan against the Panthers, by the way, because Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns are two of the best speed rushers in the game. And they're not really super powerful guys with great counters who can win inside um, or win with power, right? So if you have these short drops, you know, it helps Darisaw out it, who's playing his first game, mm-hmm. but it also prevents pressure from happening. It makes their offensive line look really good. And I, I think they did perform well given the task that they were up against in this game. I just think that if we go back to maybe deeper drops, we might have questions about it Hmm. um, moving forward. So I I would say Cleveland was the cleanest of all of the offensive linemen. So I would give him probably the best game. Um, But across the board, I I thought they were good. Like they weren't really that much of a detriment to the Vikings in the game. And that's all we can ask for at this point, I think. So And, And Kirk helped him out this week, which is something that, you know, has not been a strength of his and, all year long, it's been, I don't, I'm not quite ready to call it a strength, but he's been doing things that he hasn't been doing in the past to yep. help these guys, yeah. you know, and move in the this, pocket and make plays. This, the scheme, Kirk helped them out a lot by, by the drop depth and by his pocket presence. Um, but the scheme helped them out a lot too. And it's not just the drop depth, although that's huge because like um, if you're Christian Derrissaw blocking Brian Burns, when Kirk is going eight yards back, monumentally different than dropping than blocking Brian Burns, you know, when Kirk is dropping 10 yards back, just like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's so much more grass you have to cover um, very quickly. And you're, you're also opening yourself that much more up to inside counters, which is um, when you're a rookie like Derrissa is, and you're struggling with con- being consistent in your pass sets and your depth and knowing exactly like which blade of grass you're going to like set your feet at when you're finished, when you finished your set, um, it, it, it can get tricky. So they, they help their offensive line a lot. I kind of, a thing I've been pondering, I'm munching on a little bit is um, the offensive design is playing very scared of the, the, of the offensive line. I think they're a little scared of the pass protection. I think they're doing a lot. I think we saw a lot this game. You know, there's a lot of smoke routes, a lot of one-step drop, boom, hit the screen. Um, and, and it worked. I mean, Thielen got like right. an explosive off of it. And Jefferson had a couple big game gains as well. Um, But like Cousins average time to throw this game was like 2.2 seconds. That's like lightning fast. So, and that's the average, like, obviously we had a couple deep shots in there, but like, you know, there's so many three-step drops, one-step drops and the occasional like play action boot or whatever, but like on it, like uh, on average, you had the fourth fastest time to throw um, or third fastest time to throw of any starting quarterback. So um, and I wonder if we're getting a little bit too much into the John D Filippo era where we were, it was, it was, they were passing so much so quickly and it kind of neutered the offense. I think we were still able to see some explosive this week, but I wonder if we're, I would like to see more intermediate shots um, and, and less um, quick game and less um, I, I would hope, especially now the Darisaw's in the lineup and they're no longer having to protect Rashad Hill, maybe after the bye, they'll start to open things up a little bit more um, because I don't think uh, there's, I think you can overprotect your offensive line. I, I don't think, um, you know, there are times where like the Browns where you want to be very conservative with it when you're up against Miles Garrett. And then there are other times I think where you want to, you can, you can accept having being under pressure on one third of your dropbacks. If it means you're also, you know, your average depth of target is farther than five yards downfield. So um, offensive design, helping the offensive line a lot. I think that's why like 
when you see Brian O'Neill has like, you know, two pressures surrendered on the year, like O'Neill's been good, but like the design is helping all of them. And he's because he's the good guy. He looks the best, but um, yeah, I wonder if uh, hopefully with Darius, are replacing Hill going forward, uh, they can start to, to move things up downfield. Hmm. I, I, I think all, all that is, uh, is great to hear. And, and I agree with you that, you know, obviously we don't want our offense to run on quick stuff all year. But I do feel they're like good found, at it, and Kirk is awesome at it. We He's found like that's something this week, yeah, right. And and maybe that's maybe that's what's going to make us take make make us work this year. Um, obviously, it would be great if we could just bomb it all day, but um, it's good. It's good. So, guys, are you ready? Are you ready for tape talk? I some of the, one of these days, I'm gonna, I'm going to figure out a system to get a little sound segment there. You know, maybe some tape graphics. Talk. I don't know. We'll do some, do yeah, some tape get, talk. Let's get the drops. Let's get, yeah. Let's get the, let's get the drops. <laughs> I, I, I want an I'll actual whiteboard for us yeah, to draw on. I'll buy a soundboard and, you know, we'll, we'll do it right. Um, all right, let's 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 kick it off. Who wants to start? Wait, raise your hand. Who wants to start? All right. Do we want to start Matt, with Daniel right, Hunter? I think we can. That's we can verbally raising your both, hand. I'm going to go can both get on Daniel Hunter. Um, <laughs> so Daniel Hunter, I mean, the dude's an alien. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, there were two plays against Taylor Moton. So I just want last to week we had the Spider Man. This week we've got the Alien. I like it. I yeah. like it. Yeah, I, it's like okay. So one's an RPO, and the ball gets out really quick. And actually, I think this is one Bar tips. It's like almost the same interception that Eric Kendricks got last week. Bar could have had on this play if he catches the ball. Um, but and Moton is jump setting Daniel Hunter, and Daniel Hunter just like. Side, he like warps around him. What's a like, jump set? A jump set. Okay, yeah, excellent question. A jump set for an offensive lineman is in, in pass sets for offensive linemen. Usually, their first step is backwards to get depth, especially for offensive tackles, to prevent a rush around the edge. A jump set is when you move forward and attack the player you're actually blocking um, to try to get your hands on them early. Hmm. And Moton, like, I don't even know if he touches Hunter in this. And then just like his acceleration to get at the quarterback is frightening. I don't like, I would be very, very scared and curl up into a ball <laughs> if Daniel Hunter was turning the corner and running full speed at me. It's like, like scary. I, it's it, like he he varies the pace and the explosiveness yeah. off, off the off the get off. So like when he actually raises his power level to 100%, it's like, holy smokes, yeah. who is this dude? He'll like... It's like, you know, that, that clip of Miles Garrett, like crossing the face yes. of the guy. And he's like, he's like gone in a blink. It's like, that's the freakishness. Yes. Like, oh, and those muscles. Those muscles are not. Uh, it's him and Garrett. Those are the guys that do that. It's him and Garrett. Like that, and Aaron Donald, I guess. But that's like it. Like in terms of that kind of suddenness and like acceleration for people that size, like it's frightening. And then the next, the other play, and they're both like at midfield too. So they look like almost kind of the same play when you put them back to back. But he is, uh, you know, uh, rushing against Moton again, and he doesn't quite get there. But he literally, like, it looks like he like force pushes Taylor Moton out of the way. Like he launches him off of his feet, and Moton gets ragdolled onto the ground. Like it's a ridiculous amount of strength. Is he a Jedi or is he an alien? You you gotta get this. Well, I guess he could be well. Both. 
Jedi are technically yeah, That's true. You're right. Yeah, there we go. It's a galaxy I, far, far away. I was trying to make a joke, and you guys have undermined it correctly immediately. Yeah, by being right. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. <laughs> Thank you. You can't out-nerd us on Star Wars, Greg. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Uh, what, what else? Tell me more about Danielle. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Did, did you? What was another big play you noticed from him this week? Uh, He's got this crazy move where it was it was he'll like he'll like slow roll to get off and then he'll like rip he'll like do this very violent uppercut into like the the lineman's like um, armpit and then with his offhand he'll pull he'll grab their 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 um their their outer hand their, their their outside hand and he'll like he'll yank it down and then he'll like swing himself around that way and it's like. A very unorthodox move. I'm not sure there's a name for it, <laughs> but he did it last week for a sack, and we'll, he was doing. We'll call it, again it the alien. Week. No, it's the <laughs> hyena leap. Nick, nicknamed it the hyena leap already. He does these crazy things because, like, not only is he like a like a 99th percentile athlete, he's also like 99th percentile in his in his body type and his size. Like, he's like freakishly like like basketball long like yeah. limbs and arms. So yeah. um, he, he can just do a lot of really crazy stuff. But he's those so, long limbs, he still comes with. A giant trunk too, which yeah. is the craziest part of it. I mean, he's just—he can huge. win with pure speed. He can win like with a long arm with power. He can like speed to power. He can he can like reverse inside. So he's just—I don't know. There's he does a lot of things that other pass rushers couldn't dream about doing just because he's that talented. So, he's a lot to handle. Um, yep. It's fun to see him for so long. He was like just kind of an athlete learning how to play the position. So now that he's 26 and like a veteran, it's really awesome to see him like come into being not just uh, an athlete, but being a technician too, and doing this crazy stuff. Um, so, and to, like Taylor Moten's a really good tackle. Um, it just got paid. So um, it, it was, it was a, a like kind of clash of the Titans battle. It was very awesome seeing Hunter doing what he was doing on Sundays. It's great to have him back. Um, all right. So we gassed up the offense. Like, like we said earlier, we gassed them up, but there are some criticisms to make. Um, you touched on it a little bit already. Uh, you know, JJ had a big fumble. Um, which felt like a felt like a game loser early on. Um, you know, we we missed uh, Kirk missed a deep ball or two. Uh, Matt, I think I think you had some things yeah. you noticed about the offense being just a just just a little yeah. Little so, off. so there there are really a handful of plays in this game where the offense is just a just a tick off. Um, I think the the Justin Jefferson deep ball was the first one where Kirk misses that. Um, that was a really cool route concept. It's a it's a corner post, so he's faking going in the corner, and then he runs to the post with outside zone action. So you so it's kind of a throwback for Kirk. So you really think that the play is going the other way, and it really tricks the safety. And Kirk just throws the ball long when he needs to throw it short or flatter, and he just misses it. He was kind of hit his throne. He was pressured a little bit, and actually they came back later in the game, and they hit the play to feel it. So they came back to that play, and that was awesome to see them coming back to the same play that worked earlier, and they got it to work this time. Kirk made the adjustment, and he made the better throw. I think that's real a really encouraging sign just for the offense in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the one delving screen I think everybody remembers where Hassan Reddick made the tackle in the backfield. Great play and great heads-up tackle by Hassan Reddick. If one of the four offensive linemen blocks Hassan Reddick on that play, that goes that for like was, 50 yards. There was had- – a convoy ahead of him. There was absolutely nobody. I, it was another outside zone action, so it's kind of like a throwback screen, and the entire Panthers secondary is on the other side of the field. They're, like, on the other side of the hash marks. It's it's crazy. Um, 
Another play, the it was a third down play, actually, and this is the one you mentioned earlier, Nick, where the ball Wait, flipped out of before you, before you continue, yeah. I always wonder moments like that where the disaster doesn't happen, what that must feel like for everybody involved with the defense on the other team. Just like, you know, or on our team when it happens to us. Like, it's got to be such a relief mixed with terror like, we almost, you know, gave up this. I, I know on that play, Hassan Reddick's hyped. And I think yeah. the hype for Hassan Reddick is kind of infectious, right? Just like, the hype yeah. for your guy making the play. Right. Um, you know, the, the play caller might be a little terrorized. But, <laughs> but I think the players on the field are pretty hyped for their guy. Sure. Um, but so so that play where Kirk threw the ball into Ezra Cleveland's back, and I don't think it was a fumble. I think I got rolled a forward pass, but whatever. It slipped out of his hands. Um they actually did a really cool thing because they went to four strong and they quick snap. So you can see them in the all 22, get up to the line, snap the ball like immediately. And forced, what I mean by four strong is you have four eligible receivers on one side and one on the other side. That's an uncommon formation that the defense has to check to. So the point there is to go quick to prevent the defense from checking or to, to try to catch the defense off guard. So you and have a free, catch, a free uncovered guy, basically. It does catch the defense off guard. They run what's called mesh sit. So mesh is two receivers crossing in the middle of the screen. And then sit is a curl route on top of that. So it really puts the linebackers in conflict because they're supposed to work on the crossers. And then they also have the guy up the middle, and you can just throw the ball up the middle. Madden fans uh, yes. this year are very familiar with that play. Yeah, if you if you play Madden, extremely you common. probably run mesh on offense. Actually, <laughs> and you'll um, have it run against you if you play the I. Um, podcast listeners are missing my very my very helpful like hand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. If you, very if essential, you, right over the top. I mean, it's a stable area concept. It's really just a great play. But what happens on this play is two players follow the one guy on the crosser, and KJ Osborne is wide open over the middle. There is nobody. Like, it's a massive void. There's nobody there, and that's who Kirk wants to throw to. To be honest, I don't know why he tries to pull it. I think he should just release the ball and make the throw, um, but he doesn't, and it doesn't happen. Um, the other one was actually on the final drive. We could have been in much better field goal position for Greg Joseph's potential game winner um, if the wide receiver screen of D.D. Westbrook hits. Um, you have both Oliudo and Brian O'Neill releasing. We ran it actually directly into a blitz. That's the perfect time to run that kind of screen. And a defensive back literally just runs right, but like he splits Udo and O'Neill. If one of them picks him off, D.D. Westbrook has a ton of room to run and it's probably a 20-yard gain before somebody catches up to him at least. Um, and that is a much easier field goal to just end the game right there. Mm-hmm. So just so Make your many kicks. plays. That was so close that I really think was kind of the difference in the game for the, I mean, it wasn't the difference in the game because we ended up winning, but it it could have been the difference in the game. If if we had lost, this is the conversation we'd be having. Like, ah, JJ fumbled and all these plays that didn't work. And, but the reality is, you know, overall the performance was very strong and, but we got a Nick pick. That's what we're here to do. Uh, Let's, let's go back to gassing. Okay, let's talk about the player that we're all very excited for this year. Um, I would call this, if not a breakout performance, it, it certainly is on the verge of what you would call a breakout performance. When the year started, our guy was supposed to be Irv Smith. Um, he was supposed to be the third option on this team. You, you, you expound all this energy as a defense, watching where JJ and Adam are all day. And Irv Smith runs underneath you and just kills you all day long. 
that's that was the dream. Um, it didn't happen. And there was a lot of fear uh, about where we're going to find that third option. And none of us ever considered the complete dud rookie from last year, KJ Osborne. So let's give a round of applause for our man, KJ Osborne, showing up this week, making plays all day long, game winner, walk off, rips his helmet off, does the whole deal, most iconic image of the year. Tell me about KJ, and I want to hear from both of you on this. How are you feeling about KJ? I know you're both feeling really good. I'm excited. Um, so I actually just released a full article. Uh, I went back and rewatched every single on zonecoverage.com. Yeah, zonecoverage.com. Check it out, or just follow me on Twitter. It's my pin tweet right now at Nicholson NFL. Um, but yeah, he's. I I went back to rewatch and see like what does he do well? Is this kind of just a fluky streak he's on? Is he going to come back down to earth? Like you know, we've had a lot of guys like breakout wide receivers. It was pretty. There were some pretty dark days back when we were like talking about Charles Johnson as the best wide receiver on the roster, uh, <laughs> which Norv Turner said back in 2014. He's so. Randy Moss in practice. <laughs> so I, you know, you never know if these guys are going to come back down. So I went back, watched at his, looked at his traits, see what he does well, what he doesn't do well, and there's a lot of really good stuff here. Um, he's. I think the most impressive thing about him is how good he is at the catch point. I think this was most. Um, the best highlight there is is that that fade route he ran against Cleveland, um, which was I think we talked about it last week, but uh, or the two weeks ago. But like it was just it, it's a fade route. Kirk throws the ball up. Um, it's an option. It's a weak side option. So Kirk just takes it because he sees Osborne's one on one with one on one and in coverage and doesn't have safety help, which is like that's awesome that Kirk is willing to trust Osborne because usually that's a call they make when it's Justin Jefferson lined up one on one or Adam Thielen lined up one on one against press coverage. So mm. and he goes up there. Um, makes the catch, turns around, finds the ball. It's a little, it's a little underthrown, so the defensive back has has time to get back and contest it really strongly. But Osborne makes the catch along the sideline, um, so that was really impressive. Um, he he has doesn't have a drop yet. He's one of seven receivers this season with over twenty catches and without a drop. Uh, so really good hands, That's not impressive. just the contested catches, but the really good hands. Uh, he's got a good release off the line of scrimmage, um, and he's got a different like package of releases. Uh, he's got good choppy footwork coming off the line of scrimmage. Um, he's really good with his hands to clear press if he needs to. Uh, you kind of think of him as a slot receiver, um, but he's lined up forty percent of his snaps on the outside too. So that's well, really he's kind of he kind of stocky for a, a, a slot receiver too, which I like. A, you know, he's a little thick. He's an interesting build. So he's five eleven. He's the shortest wide receiver on the roster right now, but he's also the heaviest wide receiver on the roster right now. So like Thielen, Jefferson, all these guys, very different body types. They're they're taller, but Osborne is heavier. He's like very dense. He's very strong. You see that, especially after the catch. Um, I think it was the Seahawks game. He has, he kind of like lowers his shoulder into this guy on the sideline and like, just like trucks him downfield. He has a lot of that stuff. I think there was Cardinals game early where it was third and 24 and somebody tries to tackle him and they actually do wrap Bengals their arms game, around yeah. Bengals around yeah. his hips. And he like just, just manages to break the tackle and run downfield. He's not necessarily like like Jefferson's kind of a make you miss kind of guy. Dalvin Cook's kind of like incredible contact balance guys just kind of glance off him. Osborne's more just like uh, more Alexander Madison, more just like he's got a lot of like lower leg drive and power and he's going to be able to like burst through guys. And that also gives him a lot of versatility because they kind of use him a, a little bit like uh, like a Cooper Cup type where like you can line him up right off the line, right off the line of scrimmage. And he can he can down block on defensive ends and linebackers. And you can you can trust him to hold up a little bit, even though he's like 60 pounds lighter than these guys. So um, he does a lot of dirty work. He's willing to get in there in, in the run game. Um, he's still developing, I think, his routes. I'm not sure he's ever um, I, I would say 
Uh, he's not traits wise. He's kind of below average when it comes to his explosiveness out of his breaks. Although I think you can also like work on that. Um, and cause I feel like he's a lot better now than he was in college. So, um, he's developing, he's just a sophomore. He's, put in work. It's very he's only 24 years old, but like, he's a legitimate, like, I'm not going to say he's like a pro bowler, but like we saw this with Adam Thielen where like, he was like a special teamer and it was kind of a cool story. All oh, this local Minnesota boys, like now making the special teams play. And then he was like a rotational guy. And then there was a moment where we were like, this kid's actually really good. And he just like yeah. keeps getting better. Like I think Osborne has a lot of well, those same traits. Like he's fast enough. He's good enough. He does a lot of good things. So really excited Matt, about Matt, what he brings to the offense. Absolutely. Matt, you've been seeing a lot of the same. Do you have any anything to echo there? Yeah. Uh, the one thing I just want to emphasize is I think Kirk very much trusts KJ Osborne at this point in the career. Uh, the one play Nick was talking about earlier where he went vertical down the sideline. I don't know if you that's, realized it, but you both used that word. So that yeah, definitely seems where to be clear. That's an alert. And the quarterback has to trust the wide receiver to make the play on that ball, or he's not going to throw it. And the fact that we're running those with KJ, well, like we can run them with three wide receivers now. I don't think there's many teams in the league that can say that. Um, they run, not to cut you off, Matt, but they run a lot of plays designed to yes. go to KJ. Like there's a jet sweeps designed to go to KJ. Yes. There are a lot of RPOs that are designed to go to KJ Osborne. That's not, that's that what we didn't see a lot of plays designed to go to Chad Beebe or Ola BC Johnson. They were just right. kind of there for the ride. So, I mean, he's it's six games in and he already has the most yards by a Vikings third wide receiver uh, over the last five years. Like, so yep. we've been pretty star for talent, but it's it's awesome to see a guy that like Kirk trusts, that Kubiak trusts, uh, that they're willing to like actually rely on for production uh, on key downs and stuff. So awesome. To I, see. I think his strongest asset is his sneer. He's got a very good sneer. Yes, he does. <laughs> he, he had that digs. He just like breathed in the moment immediately. Yeah. Like, this is yep. the walk-off. I got it in there. I'm going to throw yeah. my helmet off and meme over the camera. <laughs> Welcome to the big show yet again, actually. That's the second time I've said that about him this year. Um, excellent. I feel like we've covered all, all the good stuff from, from week six. Um, we don't have a game next week. We've got a bye week coming up. A little bit of rest. Everybody gets to catch their breath from this wild start to 2021. Um, so you're Mike Zimmer, and you have to send out the communication to the team this week. All right? Hey, everybody, here's, here's the state of the team, X, Y, Z, you know? What do you think the main – topic is. I have some ideas for what I, I think the main topic of discussion would be around Minnesota, um, around the facilities. What do you both, I'd like to hear from both of you, what do, what do you think the main topic is? To me, it's details, details and execution. I think that's that's where we're not quite putting every single piece together, right? I, I think that's what we've talked about with this team is nothing is nothing ever feels fully in sync. And, and we saw that in that last game. You have a few more details that go right. You have a few more small things that go right. And that compounds into a really, really good football team. You know, we, we're just making a lot of mistakes right now. And we the need wins to feel a little dirty. Those. I think that's I think that's the number one message. And I, I I think with the two sloppy wins that these past two weeks, I, I really think that reinforces that just yeah. from a team perspective. Totally. Nick, how about you? What what would you it's okay if your answer is the same. What would be your I would your say the message is coffees for closers. Right now, this team needs to learn to close games. This has been Zimmer's MO ever since he got here in 2014, as he grinds out close wins. 
but there there's never these blow-ups at the end that's not like a zimmer thing he would like cruise to like a 20 like 10 win and it would like stay 20 10 for the entire fourth quarter or something like and we'd shut down the aaron Rodgers packers yeah. yeah and and like so I think Zimmer is going to look at the coaching details and figure out what do we need to do to close out games. Zimmer's not necessarily, I'm going to, you know, drop a 50 burger on you to keep you out of the game, but he's going to learn how to close things, these things out, not let up these fourth down conversions late in the game, not break contain on the pass rush. A lot of these little details is going to, there's going to be more of the, how do we, how do we like game script the third quarter to make sure we're continuing to produce in the second half of the game. Um, a lot of that stuff. So coffee's for closers, you know, we, we, we don't, uh, no, nobody gets anything until we, we close these things out and learn not to make the mistakes. So that's Zimmer's always, that's been a staple of Zimmer. So the fact that that's not this team this year so far, I think means it's going to be something they're going to learn how to fix. Yeah. Next time you drop that line though, you have to do the entire monologue. Eight, that's, eight the, that's the rule. Alec Baldwin. So yeah, exactly. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I totally agree with, with both of you. Um, those are both huge things. I think closing the games is obviously to me, like one of the biggest things. I would also say um, this isn't necessarily on the players so much, but I really want to see us go for the jugular when we're up 10 points, you know, when we're up a touchdown, when we're up hopefully more at some point here. Don't let these teams off the hook because that that's what we did. And, you know, it kind of echoes what you're saying about closing games, but like this is something that you can resolve much earlier than the fourth quarter. You know, we were in control of that game. We were kicking Sam Darnold's ass. Like there's, there's a chance there to just drive the ball and don't leave any question marks when the fourth quarter starts. And then we can just run the clock out and kill these guys, get them out of here, kick them out. And I think that's, that's a, a lot of missed opportunities this year in pretty much every single game at this point where, you know, we have a chance to leave no questions. And that's what the great teams do. You don't leave any question marks. Um, not in every game, obviously, but, you know, the majority of your games, you're winning and you're not leaving a lot of, a lot of room for um, discussion. And I think that's probably something I would say is a topic for Mike yeah. Zimmer this, this and week. One, I think one of the reasons I'm confident Zimmer will learn to be able to defensively close these things out, if not offensively put teams away with more points on the board, is like mm -hmm. one of the things that makes Zimmer so good as a coach is if he knows what the offense is trying to do, he does a very good job at shutting it down. The way mm -hmm. you put up a lot of points on a Zimmer defense is you make it unpredictable and you, you make it so that it's, you know, he'll, he'll give up explosives on first and second down where, you know, teams are multiple, you know, like McVay's Rams or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, he, that's because like, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do. There's a lot of different things to expose. The reason he's so good on third downs, third and long, he knows exactly what your pass protection calls are. He knows exactly how to exploit them. He's able to mad scientist these crazy blitz calls and he knows who to cover. He knows who you're, you know, what your concepts are you go to on third down and how to take them away. It's the same thing at the end of, at the end of game situations where the pass rush can thin their ears back and the coverage knows what they need to do. Uh, when he knows people are going to attack downfield, uh, he's usually able to come away and take things away. So I really Absolutely. think uh, this is going to be something that Zim cleans up going forward. Um, did we lose Matt? Totally agree. Yeah, we just lost Matt, lost Matt for a moment. I want to keep I'm sorry, Matt. Sorry, Matt. Matt was repulsed by my take. <laughs> he hated it. Um, so we're, we're going to keep the show rolling. Hopefully he can get his internet going here. Um, but we're almost finished. So let's let's try to roll this. Nick, you and I have never done this before. This is going to be very interesting. 
Just you and I. Seconds of fantasy. I'm six and zero. <laughs> you are not. <laughs> I don't want to go straight to the end. Let's talk a little bit about. Um, so we have the bye week. We've got two weeks to kind of rest and recuperate and do all that soul searching uh, that we've got to do. And coming out of that bye week, unfortunately, is no more time to catch our breath. Okay, we've got four major games. Um, one of which has division implications. So we, we start the, we start against Dallas. We follow that up with Baltimore, follow that up with the Chargers, who are very hot this year. And then we wrap things up with that divisional game against our hated rivals, the Green Bay Packers. Without uh, teasing too much of our material from later, <laughs> later this year, um, how do you feel about the stretch of games? Obviously, I mean, as, as big as the Panthers game was, we won it. So now we're still in this thing. These games are huge, right? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, these are the games that will decide if this is a, it's funny. We're six games into the season. I, I have no idea if the Vikings suck or if they're contenders, if they wound up as like being like, you know, uh, uh, winning the division would not surprise me if they wound up like going like, you know, six and six and 11 would not totally shock me because like, this team was a, a 55-yard field goal away from losing to the Lions, like the the 0-6 Lions. But at the same time, they were a chip shot away from beating the only undefeated team in football in the 6-0 Cardinals. So, like, they can play down to their level opponent. They can play up to their level opponent if it's, like – so. in a weird way, I'm kind of zen about it because, like, yeah, yeah. this is a murderer's row of teams we're up against these next couple weeks. <laughs> I, would, I would use the word numb, but zen <laughs> is also a good word for it. Numb, no, numb is probably better. <laughs> And more accurate, but yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a team that I, I I feel like will not be, I will not count them out of many games this year, just because I feel like they have the potential with their receiving weapons. If they need to claw back from, from, from when they're down, maybe the offensive line will hang, hold up very well, but like, I'm trust the quarterback and the receivers to, 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 to put up points and Kirk is clutched this year. And I think that's a thing now. Um, so, and the defense is, is, is able to get stops when they need to, they, they bounce back and Matt's back. I guess that takes us better. So, <laughs> Hey, there we go. Hey man. Welcome back. Matt, how <laughs> you feel about you. the mur- the upcoming murderers row of, of, of guys on our schedule? Um, I'm scared. Like, <laughs> honestly, it's, I don't so, know. I don't know how we stop Lamar. I'm not sure. That I, well, um, I don't know how we stop Lamar. I, I think, in all honesty, right, I, I think we should be dogs in every single one of these games, even home dogs, right? I, I think the other teams, you know, I think there are about nine teams in the NFL right now that are have legit Super Bowl aspirations, and I think all four of these teams make that list. Yeah, at least three, and depending on how the charge, how hot the Chargers stay, yeah. they just had a real ass-kicking, so, you know, who knows how they bounce back, but... I totally agree. All four of these teams could be – it would not shock me if at the end of the year one of these four teams or, or you know, two of them are, are in the no. big game. So I don't know I, if I, I trust Dallas's defense, but their offense is probably the best in the NFL. So, I mean, it'll probably be like last year where it was just a shootout and we'll go to the last yeah. drive. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, these are all deadly teams. So. How many games do you guys think we need to pick up of these three – to still be in the playoff hunt right, right now we are a seven seed which you know who knows by the end of the year but right now we're actually in it uh how many of these games do you think we need to win we we got to go at least 
in the nine and eight, right? In, in the hunt, I would say we need we we need at least one period right. to be in the hunt. I would say two actually makes me feel pretty good about our playoff chances. If we go two and two against these teams, um, you know, we're we're very competitive and we're going to be competitive with any team that we play. Now, I, I think we can be competitive with any of these teams. Yeah, I it wouldn't shock me if we beat one any of these games individually. But also, I wouldn't pick us to win any of the games individually. Mm. So I, that's kind of how I feel about it, if that makes sense. Um, I, I, that's exactly how I feel, too. And that's exactly what Nick said when you dropped off. So we're, we're all pretty much great on the same page with that. <laughs> great points. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. All right. Awesome. Well, do, do we have any final thoughts from this week? Uh, anything that was, you know, oh, man, I really wanted to mention, you know, someone's I, performance. Or, I think... We touched on it a little bit, but I think Clint Kubiak has been very up and down. I think he's had some really, really good games and some really, really bad. I mean, maybe I wouldn't go that far, but like some like first year still getting learning the ropes here. And I think this was one of his really, really good game plans where he knew exactly what this Panthers defense tries to do, what makes them so good, the speed they have, not just the pass rushers, but in the in the back seven as well, um, and how to counteract that. Had like the, the the run game design to take to take advantage of that, like the the drop depth of Kirk Cousins to assist your your you know your your rookie left tackle making his first start. Um, they did a lot of really good things. All the screens um, and the well designed screens, not just the wide receiver screens, the running back screens and the downfield shots they designed like that half rollout boot um, where they shot about uh, across Kirk's body to the other side of the field. Like there was a lot of really good play design in here. Um, I still have like issues with like you know, fourth down decision-making, second and long run heaviness, stuff like that. But I, I feel like from a play design perspective, this was really good stuff. So I feel like if Kubiak can keep that up, I have a lot of confidence in Zimmer. Zimmer's once again, he's done it twice already. He's once again, the number one defensive play caller in the league in terms of third down stop rate. So like, yeah. the, and by the way, like people think the defense stinks. It's like sixth in DVOA and like sixth in PFF. Or maybe it's eighth in DVOA, but like it's a top 10 defense by like all the efficiency metrics. So I, I know um, for people my age, it, it's probably time to stop thinking of defense as being able to, I don't think you have to stop it. Okay. This is going to sound insane, but just bear with me for a second. I don't think you have to stop a D a top, stop a team from scoring as much anymore to be a great defense. Like, let me finish. <laughs> Obviously stopping a team from scoring is the number one objective, but the scoring average overall in these games is, 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 is up. Like there's no debating that it's up, it's up, it's up. In college, it's been up for ten years. We're getting there now in the NFL. A seventeen point, you know, the magic number for Mike Zimmer's defense. You know, it'd, it'd be nice if we could get get that score down there every week. But if you give up twenty some odd points, like that's pretty normal in the NFL now for a defense, even the, even the best ones. You know, on on a on a average week. So, Matt, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, I, I would agree with that. On average, I think the score in the NFL goes up year over year. I think we're at like 24, 25 points now yeah. per game, per team. Um, so if you hold the team to 20 points or under, I think you're doing good. It doesn't need to be 17 necessarily. Um, the one point we talked about, so our special team CVA went from 15th after week five, I looked this up, to 29th after this past week. Awful. We're also sixth in defensive DVOA. Our defense is really good. I agree with Nick. The one final point I want to make is I do feel bad about the Patrick Peterson injury. I hope he I hope he's able to come back quick. Patrick Peterson exceeded, I think, 
what anybody should have expected him so far this year. He's been, I don't want to say lights out, like he hasn't been, you know, an island right out there, but he has played extremely well he, the entire season. He ain't washed well, up, that's for sure. Not to toot my own horn too much, but there is one Vikings analyst who predicted this bounce back season. I'll just say <laughs> there that. we go. <laughs> yeah, you toot, toot away. Toot away. No, I, I think uh, <laughs> I think the way Patrick Peterson has played so far was the high end of the range of outcomes you expected, Nick. I think that's right. No, he's been he's been lights out. So tough to lose him yep. with the hamstring for a month. Boys, he'll be back in time for Aaron Rodgers. I boys, I'm rubbing my hands together because it's my favorite part of the show. Uh, it's time for is it going to be this week? Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> you only get five seconds, Matt. You better be you better be ready. Uh, you'll, 15 seconds of fantasy. Look, we're all in a fantasy league together. We know our listeners don't want to hear us talk about our teams, but we desperately want to talk about them. So every week we set aside 15 seconds to discuss our fantasy teams. Matt, go. Greg's Superflex, Justin Herbert. My Superflex, Brandon McManus. I Nick, go. Nick, you're done, Matt. Nick, go. I'm 6-0 and, oh and I have five first-round picks in the next two years. So, you know, I'm going to win. And I'm going to keep My turn. You Get all said I had no running backs, and I'm starting four of them this week. So deal with that. All right, because ladies, of gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's been so wonderful being with you this week. This is Kindred Skulls. Um, Matt, where can people find you on Twitter? At Fries Football. Nick, where can people find you on Twitter? At Nick Olson NFL. Excellent. You can find me on Instagram at You've Been Greg. That's where I do my stuff. You can find us as a group at Kindred Skulls on Twitter. We are available on iTunes, Spotify. Wherever you get your podcasts, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you have a place you'd like to get your pod that we're not, please and let us know. check out the YouTube channel. We've got, yes. some good, we've got some good film breakdowns up there. So if you like the podcast, you like our Twitter content, that stuff's up. There's there's some unique special stuff up there, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, we're going to keep that stuff coming. Smash that subscribe button. Smash that subscribe I button. I wanted to say that. <laughs> and in that, in that vein... Um, Matt and I are planning on putting on this Sunday live stream that we've teased repeatedly. Uh, we are actually going to do it this week. We're doing it. We're booking guests. We're, we're going to do a whole thing. It's going to be super chill. It's going to be super fun. I think it's a perfect bi-week activity for Vikings fans. Please hop in there and join us. Um, that'll be 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, that'll be on our YouTube. You can find the YouTube channel by searching Kindred Skulls. In the search box. If you're, if you're following us on Twitter, we'll promote it. We'll post links. Yes. So you'll be in the know. Yeah. Any last words? I love you, Skull. Skull Vikings. I love you, Skull. <laughs> <laughs> Good Makes job, it sound guys. like I love the Vikings when I have more of a love-hate relationship with the Vikings. <laughs> another but... first round corner wouldn't do us any harm. Oh, another first round corner wouldn't do us any harm. Oh, another first round corner wouldn't do us any harm. And we'll all cheer on behind. And we'll score.